Hey, it's Ross Bateman from Old Land Bulk Radio. This is RPPR episode 131, The Brutalist Postmortem, for the, you know, Red Market's beta campaign. Ooh. I actually put a separate little uh, category for the beta so we can separate the beta version of the role-playing game versus the You're final. You're details-oriented, Ross. Yes, I am. I do it for you, the listeners. <laughs> care about minutia in WordPress. And it satisfies male cravings to kill and win. Uh, not <laughs> All right. Uh, so this was the very first Red Markets campaign, possibly in the history of our species, uh, as I like to put it. It must be documented. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's not really an overstatement. Yeah. Uh, so I just like being and This recording will go out, you know, decades from now when Red Markets dominates the role playing. It will go when out. When our bodies month. have returned to the loan. <laughs> By that you mean is in a yeah. discount bin in a used bookshop. <laughs> uh, uh, no, or being burned for heat in Trump America. <laughs> no, I, I, say, I say that when our bodies return to the loam and the cities are but dust, we will need this to document. <laughs> and also, okay. and what if somebody friends. like decides to gather all That's the remaining awesome. copies of Red Markets to build a pyramid in the desert? <laughs> can we just like manage our expectations <laughs> way down? And actually, like, can, way down. All right. Caleb, I actually want to bring up something that in Trump America, uh, this might Caleb, be the manual to survive. Yeah. <laughs> I flat out refuse. All right. Uh, no one will be better at the zombie apocalypse than me. <laughs> So why don't we start with <laughs> Caleb uh, giving some context for the campaign yes, talk itself to us, Caleb. Uh, about like I know we use the collaborative uh, enclave creation um, and we did record that and post that I believe yeah yeah so but uh, obviously you had a lot of input as the game master you know uh, what so once we gave you that input you know on like we wanted north we wanted here these kind of elements of the architecture school and whatnot. Um, what were you thinking, if you remember, and, you know, I don't know. Well, I mean, it's, it was pretty odd for me in terms of running a campaign because, like, it was very freeform and sandboxy. Yeah. Uh, and it's not just because you guys designed your own setting and I wanted to see how those rules worked, uh, which they worked fine. Yeah. Uh, it was because I just had so much stuff I had to test still, uh, and, I couldn't do all of it at once without seeing how it interacted, so I had to incrementally implement it. And then uh, after I figure out how things worked, if I had certain parts down, like gear and how that other stuff worked, it would help me test the other stuff better, so it would have to go through less revisions. Um, so I did not have a very big direction for the campaign uh, that really worried me. So when you when I'm like, all right, it's west of the Mississippi, and you're like, Chicago, <laughs> and I'm like, uh, okay. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's not how geography works, but whatevs. Uh, I, I was okay with that. Uh, and, but uh, I really, uh, the, the vowels and the whole part with the DHQS and stuff like that, that was really uh, something I put in there. Uh, just because I was worried it was very much going to be job of the week and episode of the week. Okay. Yeah, because I was going to ask, were you just, was it setting to more just compartmentalizing to jobs and scores that we can do from time to time while seeing which rules uh, went uh, were okay and which ones needed to be tweaked? I had too much stuff to test. Uh, so, like, in regards to the jobs I offered, they would include things I needed to test, like uh, a certain combat rule or a certain humanity mechanic or something like that. Uh, but that's where I stopped leading people by the nose because what I also needed to test is like what people's <clears throat> instincts were in extended play uh, because I feel like a lot of uh, indie games or games with as few people working on them as mine uh, don't have a lot of macro testing. And I think one of the things they lose by that is not just like 
having broken experience systems and stuff like that. It's they don't know what people's impulses are going to be in the game. Right. So especially if you put a bunch of hours into it. Yes. Weeks and months worth. Yeah. So in in my mind, I, I didn't want to control where you guys went and what you did too much. Yeah. Uh, so we took the setting largely determined a lot of what I came up with. But other than that, it was very much on like what you guys were tending towards doing, and who you had, and your hatred of Mister Yu was immediate and palpable. So, <laughs> I like, can't he, imagine why <laughs> he became a recurring character uh, because, like, I wanted something to tie it together with a narrative through line, and so uh, between him and the the slaughterhouse, that's pretty much it for like large narrative sweep in the game. Just because I had too much to do. Um, and that's not really how I run campaigns at all. Like, like I think about what I would do if I ran a Red Markets campaign now after playing and wanted to do it. And it would be a Caleb Stokes campaign with, like, a big <laughs> recurring plot theme with multiple nonlinear organization. And it, it would be right. no evil-esque and Things all that kind of stuff. Yeah, there would be, like, extended plot lines and all that kind of stuff. He's Lex Luthor times 10,000. Yeah, yeah, I can touch in on that immediate palpable hatred of you. Um, <laughs> wow, just don't don't hold back, Caleb. I think the part of the reason for you um, touches back to um, what was his name the the one guy in Firefly who was sitting and peeling an apple the first time that we see him. Um, you had that moment where he casually ordered the execution of our first client, and rather calmly takes a piece of chewing gum, pops it in his mouth, and, you know, as if it's nothing, Right. orders the execution. It's not just the fact that he did it while, I mean, it's not just the fact that he ordered the execution. It's the fact that he's got this luxury item for us. Because, think about it, five years after the fall, when's the last time that we saw a pack of double mint gum? Yeah. And he's just, eh, yeah. I'm going to chew on this gum. He's probably going to spit it out halfway through. Because <laughs> I'm going to get all the flavor out of <laughs> <Yeah>. That monster. <laughs> and it's uh. just that he's getting the flavor out, and then he's like, eh. So now we're going to have to brutally kill him later because of the double mint. Yeah. Well, like, when, well, with Manjapa, he was a Moriarty, and I didn't want to, like, redo that. Yeah. Uh, and he also had the I am you, but for the grace of God motivations and kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. I wanted a person who was evil and entitled to his evil, and that's it. So, like, he wasn't really that smart. Yeah, he wasn't really that capable. He just had means. Like he was born into it. He was on the right side of the line, and he was a psychopath. Like it, it was just had enough, a rich guy that was easy to hate. Like he just had enough connections to make him dangerous. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, I, he, he wasn't incompetent, but I, I wanted someone that you know was just as dangerous, but because they were mm -hmm. backed by. Something that was dangerous. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's all the real thought that went into it uh, okay. with the vowels and stuff like that. And eventually I couldn't think of a long, longer plot line. So it became uh, correcting your geography uh, became the larger plot line. <laughs> would be like get to the... You motherfuckers. Get to cannon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, fight the, fight the war that gets us to the cannon geography. Uh, not that, like, that's a big deal in the game. But yeah. I was, it, it was just that... Yeah, it was petty. No, I don't think it was petty. petty. It was yeah. like it's the Mississippi, yeah. Chicago. <laughs> to be fair, I, I have not run a campaign small. where there's not been at least one moment where the players yeah. just right off the bat do something. Well, honestly, <laughs> I think the bigger fuck you. In my defense, yeah. I wasn't there for that episode. I know, no, no, yeah. you're blameless. And I'll uh, um, 
When we get to the character creation, I'll touch base on how that shaped Moth. Right. <laughs> um, and honestly, though, I think the bigger fuck you talking about Chicago was inevitably the Lions. But yeah. <laughs> well, that, yeah, that could have been anywhere. Ignore right? my plot point, will you? <laughs> uh, the, so it, it, you were outside your comfort zone in terms of being as, as GM. Do you think that like improved your game, or like that made you more aware as a, a game master, like uh, because you were sort of in this precarious position? I think it improved Red Markets. As a book, okay. like, but I think, I mean, I'm a narrativist at heart, so ultimately, like, I really enjoyed The Brutalist and I enjoyed running it, but it's less satisfying for me than Fallen Flag because there was no clear endpoint. Like, yeah. there's a reason there's a retirement plan and that kind of stuff in there. Right. Uh, but uh, it did sort of show me, like, what it could be because um, there's already, like, a big dungeon-crawly route in in uh, Red Markets. Yeah. And so uh, it became clear to me that retirement plans could just be, like, this is your weekly Red Markets game. And then if you want to do role-playing, it's role-playing, like, with the new guy that replaced Jim, who got eaten, or Shelly, who retired, or right. whatever. Like, it can be your roguelike endless campaign where you're just... It's this crew. It's right. the story of this crew mode, with yeah. cycling you know cycling people in it um so that helped me write it a lot and you know i just needed to come up with more legs many of which we will see in the table <laughs> under table there was that and we needed to test some rules so uh yeah i mean narratively it's definitely not my best work as a gm uh but i mean it helped that i had a different goal in mind than to tell like Right, the story I wanted to see it was you know that kind of well I mean I think a lot of the story was created sort of spontaneously and that was great yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. collaborative yeah. efforts so. well yeah and like through vignettes work life balance and we'll, we'll get into that mm-hmm. uh, so yeah why don't we start talking about the uh, takers a little bit uh, I'll go last but um, why don't we hear from Tom first about like <laughs> you what you were thinking for Malleus the rich uh, <laughs> honestly <laughs> layered the, character yeah honestly um, this was just kind of me doing one of my well, I actually haven't done a big, huge brute in a while. <laughs> it right. used to be kind of one of my favorite types of characters to do. But, yeah. Uh, so I'll try it. Maybe try to make him not just I hit things hard. Yeah. Uh, but that that none of that really came out until later in the game. I kind of got the group dynamic down. Yeah. But I kind of thought just a guy wielding a heavily <laughs> modified sledgehammer mm-hmm. kind of had a you know good because I kind of thought I kind of thought of a scene of some apocalyptic zombie movie. Just, you know, some giant guy with a huge hammer. Okay. I mean, it's a definitely now a recognizable archetype in Red Markets. I mean, it's like almost a stereotype now. It's like, oh, the Layton is the guy who fights our, you know, the casualties. <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially with a melee weapon. Cause, you know. okay, but I also kind of like, you know, and also I really like, I like doing a Layton. Because I also kind of like the, like, he is the guy that goes out there first. But right. there's a good reason for it. Yeah. Like, yeah, you open that door, like. Uh, so because there's a zombie there, it doesn't matter if I'm bitten. All right. Someone who's has accepted his fate. Although Malleus says, kind of turn around sometimes. Why is it that you always send the laden first? Yeah. Right. Because you're the laden. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I think. Um, okay, it was uh, when we were taking on the um, retirement village, um, oh, where we yeah, ran the into ganglia. the ganglia. Yeah. Um, I think that we actually had one of the better byplays back and forth between us on that. It's like, well, wait a minute. Why do you always send the latent in first? Well, because Kowloon and I are going to stand up here and cover you with these guns and shoot the zombies that come out after you. Can you hit the zombie with your hammer from here? (laughs) No? (laughs) Then you go in there and I stay up here. (laughs) 
You better say something nice about me later. <laughs> I admire your biceps. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> uh, so yeah, Sweet so fucking hammer. Uh, I mean, that works. Like, not every character. Uh, I, it's nice to have like the, the tortured, you know, characters with two conflicts. But sometimes having a character who's just like, "This is what I am, and I've come at peace to myself," is also interesting. So like, it's yeah. good to have a variety yeah. of characters. I also say this game is yeah. really good for getting the players to just kind of naturally be a team and not. Have one person searching for individual shit. Yeah, that's true. Because you can't survive if you do. That. <laughs> it yeah. does. It, it does emphasize teamwork quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and speaking of teamwork, uh, Malv, uh So well, um, I was actually hoping I could uh, throw in the bid for going last because I did on character creation. Um, okay. I was actually the last person to make a character. Oh, and that's right. similar to the way that Ross and I tend to do if we're making characters for big campaigns, you and I have the same tendency, which is to let everybody else go first and then kind of go, all right, what player roles have not been taken up yet? Uh, since I was literally the last one, it was, okay, so what does the group need the most? We need a face man. Uh, you probably also want to take some ability to, you know, stop the casualties. Yeah. Because... To not die in the, in, in yeah. the, in the job. And it kind of gave me the idea of... Um, I recommend splitting your skills between... These are the skills that I am going to use to get the job. These are the skills I'm going to use to complete the job. And everybody needs to kind of do that a little bit. Yeah. Um, I ended up top-loading all of my charm skills because... We needed somebody who was a face man, and so I picked up at least one point in every one of them and started basically filling them out the rest of the way as we started doing the gameplay because I figured out once we start in, if I'm going to be our charming silver-tongued devil, yeah. I'm going to need to figure out which ones I need the most. And so at first he wasn't very intimidating, and then things happened and he became intimidating. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you mentioned before we were recording the show. You, you based a lot of Malv on how the dice, how you how your rolls went, right? Yeah, um, I tried to build him off of the die rolls when they came up, um, because he started out with a fairly decent self control. Um, there were different rolls that it's all right. Make a roll for detachment. I succeed. They're just meat. <laughs> okay. Um, make a roll for trauma. I succeed. You've seen worse. Yes, I have seen worse. Um, make a roll for uh, make a roll for stress. This is not as bad as things that you've run into. So the fact that I was succeeding at all of these humanity rolls and saving his humanity, um, I started role playing for every one of those. I made him that much more of a cold, monstrous jackass. Because if he's seen all of these things and he's bounced back from these things and not lost any of his humanity to do it, what kind of fucking person is he? Very well, the archive, the archivist spot mm -hmm. also helped that. Oh yeah, because you were a cultist. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well the sort archivist, of fatalism of that. Yeah. Well, the archivist didn't come up as much as the fatalism did. Yeah. Um, the fact that he was very fatalistic for an archivist. Um, basically, in the very first episode. Um, I was basically thinking the I am going to really hammer home my archives or archivist spot because I want to preserve this um, I want to preserve the doctor inside the servers. I really want to. Nope, nope, nope. Alright, fine. I just got voted down three against one. Uh, where's the money at? Mm -hmm. And from then on, any time that I thought about speaking up as an archivist, mm -hmm. I would wait until I got the group consensus, and if it was two against one, 
maybe I can throw in. If it's three against one, I'm not even going to try. Also, but the fatalism so, I can play every single time because we are already dead. <laughs> also, please stop shooting teenagers. <laughs> that is all. We, we should address that. Yeah, that's, 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 that's for later let's on. Let's get to the other characters. Teenager. Singular. <laughs> This campaign. We're only talking about this campaign. That's not bringing out of campaign things. Other campaigns. Well, that's crazy. Yeah, that's that just crazy, crazy talk. Right there. Uh, that's interesting. I would, I would love to. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm fascinated by this idea of using the dice rolls to determine how you role play. I mean, you should to some degree, obviously, especially in a horror game. But like. I, man, a, a mob who is scared and traumatized by things, who like is like, oh, you know, more freaking out. I would have loved to have seen that. That would have. I mean, I love the mob there, but just like, what if? You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And honestly, if he had failed more self control rolls, we would have seen it. Um, a very different I think side that of the, the mob. There were three or four points where we did see the loss, and most yeah. of them kind of got covered over when we ran into the puppies the first time. Oh yeah, and no, I yeah. lost. Um, if you go back to that episode and listen, you'll he- kind of hear me ranting in the background. I used to have a puppy. <laughs> oh. lies. Yeah, there's always great moments that sometimes like get overlooked uh, in a campaign. Yeah, um, and I, I thank all the listeners who comment on stuff like that. Yeah. And I'm like, what? What is that? I forgot. Oh, it happened. This like, oh yeah, now I remember. <laughs> That's part of the uh, reason I've been re-listening to it is because yeah. there are so many moments that I missed, and I was at this fucking table, <laughs> and I don't remember that yeah. shit. Mm-hmm. How did I miss that? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no, there's, it's great points. Um, and so, uh, IP, uh... uh yeah, no, uh, as the, as, the man, the legend. Uh, no, no, not at all, something of that. Uh, no, IP at his core was supposed to be the eternal optimist, the one that despite everything that was going on and oh, being... world for that. Well, and being okay, highly, like yeah, being highly over his head, um, he wanted to be that voice, so when I started to make him, uh... Because of what we, Caleb, suggested, too, um, I kind of split his skills down the difference that he was going to be your tech man, as usual, playing the face, uh, but also doing the social skills, because um, when we talked about doing the radio station, um, yeah, I wanted to basically be that other person who could provide connections if absolutely necessary. Right, networking. Um, the networking skills, but also uh, I really liked the idea of being that reviled, too, that he wanted to be a three-dog type but just did not have the social skills to back it around, and it didn't help that his only playlist was J-pop or K-pop in the background. Yeah. I love that. No, no, that was but that's, that's, yeah, but that you could get, I could get those connections. We got so much like, mileage Fuck you. Yeah, I will get those connections, but fuck you, you Dude, owe me. No one's going to change the world with J-pop. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's a great prompt for role playing encounters, and like it gives the person who's playing the contact a great like starting point. Yeah, and uh, yeah, no, and it's oh my god, it was great. No, and I like I, said, I, I, I love I love eternal optimism just a little bit. Yeah, um, well. nothing speaks to that more than the fact that you had no combat skills going in because I don't know how to fire a gun. I don't know uh, no. how to stab a thing. I'm I, not going to. I did you. have knife. Yes, I'm not I, did have, I did have minor. Well, let yeah, me yeah, speak yeah. to that too because the way it was set up is that yeah, he pretty much got in with his family into uh, La Coupissier and well he was already there but kind of hunkered down and then did his work as necessary so once he became a taker he went for the basic ones because uh, in my head canon it was that oh he found some guy to say here's what you do to don't step to not stab yourself yeah and then later on Caleb did make that point after I do agree that the point was made that uh, yeah you need to learn at least how to shoot one round without shooting yourself in the foot well I think that was also Kowloon uh, one thing I learned in the Brutalist is that um, though it's not necessarily a tough spot which are basically like class systems now uh, 
and I suppose it happens in every RPG campaign, like the the insistent, urgent economic focus of it, like someone at the table becomes a manager of the crew, even if no one acknowledges that they're the manager. Uh, and I always thought of it as Kowloon because Mauve was very good at uh, he had a, he had an outsized influence on what the crew was doing through negotiations, but Kowloon was the guy that threw a gun at you. It says, learn to shoot or fucking quit. Uh, like, he was very much about managing what everyone else was doing. Uh, he was our conductor. And, and, yeah. I was the assistant conductor that gets or says where the train is going to go. Percussionist. And talking to that, you have that's how I felt that his IP's progression went. That he was literally that kid in over his head right. starting that first job, and that he eventually learned how to more or less take care of himself, which added to his ultimate goal. That, of course, the DHQS. He's seen them screw many too many people over all the time, and didn't have a high opinion of them to begin with and then seeing what the vowels did yeah. uh, and my encounters with you as well yeah. just gonna say fuck off um, which I'm still surprised I came away from that a lot. I kind of have this headcanon now of like Kowloon actually starting the Brutalist and then just like looking for takers and you know like Neo Craigslist or whatever <laughs> and like uh, and then of course Malleus signs up first because like me hit him hit big thing zombie with hammer. Like, and I'm like, he's, like, he's like, you know, I can also read. Uh, okay, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you. Uh, and then Ma- and then Mob just shows up. Something like, oh, well, I, I think with more Malleus, yeah. more like, who else will possibly hire me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and and then it's, so it's like the two of us for a while, and then no one else is signed. Like, oh god, those fucking yoga guys are getting a ton of people. <laughs> and then it's the final. I say, hey, I need a job. I'm tired of being a DJ. Okay. You have- well, and I look. Uh, <laughs> I, I found your you big idea. Yeah. Says, "Hey, do you want a summer learning?" He's got a backpack. Break? He's yeah. good. <laughs> uh, he's got a backpack and a toolkit, and it's just. A- yeah, and how oh, wait time? a minute! I can get us through the doors. I can pick those locks yeah. for you. It's oh, okay. Well, that's a good thing. Like Previously, we've just been having Malleus smack it with a hammer until it falls down, and then we can't close it afterwards. Remember that first job was our first job, yeah. so it's like literally we're just getting like he shows up, but all right, yeah, I don't see a gun on him, but I'm sure he's got one in his backpack. But I found it was yeah. interesting because like I very much not to speak too much about Fallen Flag, but my yeah. character in that was very much considering I was going to have a lot of setting information considering <laughs> I made it all up. He I, was the one. I very much built a character to be a manager type yeah. in that like. He did so out of deep, deep control issues. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, I, I, I also never made it like an explicit thing in the game, particularly because like I never thought you made Kowloon to be, you know, middle manager of this no. crew. But it, I feel like it's something that naturally comes up in every group dynamic. And sure. You have someone. It's not a democracy when we all need money. Like yeah. someone needs to call a shot at some point. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. And so, so for Kowloon, I actually uh, kind of designed him to try and be a jack of all trades because I didn't know what was going to be more important. So I gave him like a little bit in everything, like some like shooting, self control, obviously networking, scrounging, and then obviously the, the focus on architecture and building kind of overlapped a lot with IP. Uh, so I might have changed that. And then the other design goal is, like, I wanted to try the Dronky out. So, like, let's have a Dronky. Yeah. 
Ludwig. Yeah, Ludwig. And that say something for us, Ludwig. Uh, I don't have. I, I don't want to pause to like look up architecture. From, <laughs> yeah, we, uh, uh, he, he's at another. Houses are machines for living. In. <laughs> yeah, uh, our house. So, yeah. who is the real hero? Of the team? Yeah, obviously it's Ludwig. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ludwig, yeah. So, so uh, he was designed obviously because I was doing a lot of research for Ruin uh, in, in general. So that was, uh, and I just finished the book Cities of Darkness Revisited, which was about Kowloon Walled City. Uh, which is a fascinating place, uh, and the book is really cool, even though it's like eighty dollars or whatever. Uh, so I was like, "Yeah, Kowloon," and then he's a, a was an idealistic ar- architecture student studying sustainable technology and all this other stuff, and then the crash happened. He's just like, "Uh," so frustrated academic type, just sunk into yeah. ennui a bit, and yeah. Uh, so, but awesome. mechanically, I designed him to be like try to be useful, a little bit useful in all situations, because I didn't know how it was going to go because I know we would you know Tom was going to be a combat specialist mm. uh, type and you're going to be techie uh, and then obviously we had a face and I didn't want to make a face character I wanted to make I didn't want to make a specialist character I wanted to just be there yeah. to overlap things I think I even gave him first aid I yeah I spent a lot actually on upgrade, giving myself one in a bunch of skills. I think I had one in practically every skill. So, like, oh, everyone can make a networking check. Ah, I can do that. Everyone can yeah. do this kind of check. I can do that. You know. Yeah, so it was, uh, yeah, well, I had the, like a uh, first aid, aid was useful yeah. because before you took it, I had the first aid kit and only one in first aid. Yeah. And then almost immediately after hitting a point, I was the only one with first aid and I was the one wounded. Yeah. So I can use your first aid kit. Uh, so yeah, exactly. yeah. I, I, I kind of like yeah, five in body and five in melee. I wonder, wonder what I do. <laughs> yeah, you're not a researcher. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that was a good test. Yeah. As I kind of knew you would be. But, uh, <laughs> the advancement system works because oh, yeah. you weren't retiring anytime soon. You were just. Working out. Moving Forever on. in the zombie wasteland, working out. Oh, yeah. Well, they, oh, they, they, just shit, they just do bulk shit. Well, and, and, of, <laughs> and of course, my, and of course, my yeah. favorite scene is like, I, I'm barbecuing meat out here in the quarantine zone. You want to come up? Oh, you can't. Yeah. Fuck all I'm, you just, li- I'm just licking my steak. Yeah. <laughs> deal with it. Uh, so. <laughs> deal with it, look. Deal with it, luck abuse. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think our, our characters really well. I mean, it was a, it was. A, I felt like we it was were a, good a team. Take, yeah, a team, a, a group of people. Like we're all these desperate people. We all get together to work and uh, try mm-hmm. to make money. So uh, I felt that worked really well. Um, I feel. Let's see. So what were some of the major campaign likes and dislikes? Well, well, well yeah, we we. There's a lot of things we could like, but were there any things that like popped up that didn't quite uh, hit on things? Because I know. Um, mm. Well. Um, the way that I envisioned my Ersatz family, mm-hmm. um, the trio of broken individuals that kept me sane-ish, um, was totally different than the way that they were played. Yeah. Uh, pretty okay. much every time. Um, I wanted to see um, the man who had lost his legs to be somewhat optimistic, even though he's been brought low. Bad pun, I know. Hmm. Um, I was hoping that Lily would see the brighter side of things, even though she can't see anything anymore, and that's why she only sees the brighter side. Um, I pictured them as all being broken but optimistic, okay. and that never happened. Um, well, I mean, that's my fault. I'm, one thing I definitely learned in running the campaign is that I needed a system to tone police interludes and vignettes. 
because they got wackety schmackety do yeah, yeah. every time as quickly as possible. Um, Case in point, everyone my, was my mother. Everyone was incentivized to be as aggravating as possible. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, but at the same time, it kind of gave us a very unique blend of uh, individuals. It's, I pictured them as my ideal family. You haven't been pulling your weight around here, and just yeah. everybody arguing back and forth. And it's, I'm sorry, I'm going outside the fence and well, bringing hey, back money. It led, it, led, it led to great moments with me. Like it's like, well, like it's like, well, Mr. Malley said, really likes some crayons. Like I will murder the entire population <laughs> of a state to get you crayons now. Yeah, well, like, but now with the second campaign, with uh, Bomb you know, yeah, cope, support, and engage uh, the different the different themes. Uh, I oh, you finally came up with terms for it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think that finally, uh, yeah, I, that finally worked out. Absolutely. Because it helps keep the other players in point, on point. And or or you just, just like yeah. the scene where I had to give bone marrow to get us through that one thing. I'm like, I don't like looking at my own fluids. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so that, yeah, that was, that was something that definitely came up. But yeah, that was a flaw in the game that I didn't know was there until we play tested it. So. Uh, yeah, that was definitely true. Um, yeah, is it a flaw in the game or is it a flaw in the group? But well, that's, that's a group thing. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, another thing that came up in the campaign was uh, that I don't like as a player or a GM, so it, I want to minimize it in the game design, is, is player dithering. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, like, that's the kind of thing I was looking at. Like, do I need to objectively make a mechanical manager for your crew because like that might cause power dynamics within the group that's not great but i don't want people to do and i found that actually i don't need to because for some reason in red markets i've noticed in playtests like player dithering is always going to be a thing but i feel like it's minimized at red markets if only because it's so like work and like i feel like for some reason a lot of gamers can recognize when a meeting is going nowhere and it's wasting their time, but they can't recognize when, like, the plan to raid the castle's going nowhere and it's wasting their time. But I feel like once you're just like, hey, upkeep still got to be paid. Hey, negotiate. He's going to push forward every round. I feel like a lot of people, for somehow, in, like, and I saw this in the alpha playtest and the beta playtests with other groups, they just get on. It's like, no, no, we're doing this. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's the right decision. It's a decision. We're, we're going. <laughs> we're doing uh, yeah, like, and uh, I noticed that was something I didn't need to prescribe as much as we went on. And that's something I wanted to bring up, too, that um, coming within the first playtest that we did, that negotiation matters uh, system to where... Would not the per- the main face person could get in there and do that, but then everybody else had a chance to either raise or lower the stakes for what was going on. That actually did a wonderful job of bringing everybody else in and not creating a situation where the spotlight was on one player or you had like a uh, cyberpunk issue where netrunners were just completely off to the side. So, uh, and it was netrunners played their own game. Yeah, yeah exactly. and then the negotiator is still calling what kind of scam they would prefer you do yeah but then there's still uh i still like that we were putting that creativity onto the player actually doing the scam yeah so like uh there was some control it was like i need this but then there was a lot of freedom in how the player accomplished Mm -hmm. that yeah be it intimidating and hitting things with the hammer yeah for all any and all purposes (laughs) or other well i I seem to remember uh tom did you even put points into intimidate early on or was that later in the game that was later yeah that was like i remember early in the beginning it's like oh tom can you intimidate i don't even have 
have going into that. Like, I'm a huge, massive muscle, half zombie man, but I can't scare people, so. Uh, well, you also did have points of self control until yeah. episode 11. Uh, but, uh, and so, yeah, defaulting. That's yeah. another thing I learned yeah. uh, through the dislikes. Uh, I still dislike it, but I learned that. It well, system mastery is a thing. Play. I learned that it doesn't matter whether I like it or not. Yeah. People are going to do it, so yeah. I might as well have it. In have it. a mechanical. Embrace yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so. I mean, think about player dithering. That's like, that's, I think, in tabletop role playing games, just in general, as part, there are certain groups and play styles that encourage it. I mean, you hear the, I've heard that all these stories of play D&D groups that will play all day, and by all day, I mean 12 hours, you know, and that. well, I know, for us, we're very much, fuck that, no, let's focus, focus. we're here for... I could do 12 hours if it was like, an engaging 12 hours, yeah. I can marathon a TV show too, but yeah. uh, you know, but good luck making it engaging. I but those 12 hours, yeah. they're like, meal breaks and they're just like, dithering, or they're buying items for 3 hours, you know, like, yeah. yeah, and it's uh, kind of hard yeah. to... Well, I would fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> I know that, that's true, and that, that's the thing. But there are groups that do that, and so you have to come all together. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but I think it's interesting that Red Market has explicit mechanics to discourage that. So, uh, well, I mean, it doesn't have as many as I was going to. Though. Yeah. Like I, I think just like putting it in the theme of capitalism instantly right. makes people more all right. Yeah. Fucking get to it, uh, which I'm okay with. Yeah. Uh, yeah so. Well you've, never, um, well, you've never said, let's get on with it. You've never said that. <laughs> yeah. yeah you, yes. <laughs> Every single game we've ever played, I have said that. I, I, Literally, there's been the Monty Python group. That, that count message was brought to you by Sarcasm. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you didn't get that. I didn't. Right. Well, so. I did like the tip jar mechanic that was touched upon and maybe mentioned a little bit, but... We didn't. Oh yeah, I still haven't included that in a draft yet. Uh, okay. uh, like MVP and oh, yeah, that's right. uh, yeah, yeah, so. bonus bounty for that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that could be a house rule. Yeah, I don't think oh, I need to. Maybe a sidebar. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think it's necessary. Or a blog. Okay, if you have a group that doesn't yeah. manage to get on with it, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The tip jar would be a nice uh, carrot to dangle in front of them to get them to sure. stop dithering. It's okay. Somebody wants to make MVP and get the bonus bounty here. Um, every time you guys dither, I'm going to put something on the stack. Maybe something good, maybe something bad. But, the, but the, on the opposite flip side of that, though, you have that was a G as creating animosity in the group sometimes, depending on who's playing. So I think that's something you'd have to be extremely I, careful Yeah, with. very certain groups would react to it well, some wouldn't. So. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, Caleb, thank you and fuck you for the best and worst handshake ever. <laughs> I had brought up the latency thing enough, yeah. and so I did. Uh, yeah, no. Oh. Uh, that was a you were getting pretty free and loose with it, Mr. Typhoid Mary. Uh, well, look, I just got a little tired of everyone who's constantly not wanting to touch me. I keep, sometimes I forget why. Well, not um, anymore. Like, no, like, I was like, well, I certainly won't forget that anymore. Neither will distributing. Uh, it's Holy shit. Yeah, one thing, yeah, in terms of mechanical things that I think that obviously have been fixed in, uh, my character's tough spot, the zombie arc defense expert thing. Uh, I mean that I think it only came up positively and negatively once each in the entire campaign. The only positive time I think was like reinforcing the truck cab when we were surrounded by zombies or something like that. Uh, I and think then the negative was the kidnapping attempt and I yeah. think the tough spot was too vague as I defined it in the brutalist yeah. playtest, uh, in that I allowed it to be just everything. 
and it, it became too much like Fate. And the problem with Fate games is that when you have five or six players, yeah. you cannot possibly remember all those aspects going yeah. on on the table. Uh, so You have to be very proactive. As and I found that like soft spots and uh, weak spots came up because like they have very clear uh, emotional contexts. Yeah. Like, you know, a virtue that is not a virtue in this terrible place. Right. Or just a character, a thing that makes you an asshole. Mm-hmm. Like, like the, the, it's pretty easy to remember those, and they're pretty strongly characterized. But I wanted tough spots to be sort of like occupations or classes, and I, it was just nebulously defined for myself at that point. Yeah. So I'm glad we have, like, the ten, so you can be these ten things. Yeah. Uh, I think that works. No, that would, yeah, because mm-hmm. I think Alan, yeah. It because just, they have clear mechanical bonuses yeah. outside of will. Yeah, so. and then if nothing else, if somebody wants to house rule of 100 themselves, it gives them a good starting. Yeah, yeah there's yes. always house ruling. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I did particularly think that Archivist was a good one. For oh, no, it came up a lot. Like, mm-hmm. it came up a lot more than that. That was my thing, one of the dislikes, was that his architecture, his zombie defense building stuff didn't come up enough. And that was, yeah. yeah. Oh, and at the same time, though, what I was, and was kind of aiming yeah. at is that there was a static effect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that all of my milestones cost double because yeah. I'm an archivist. Because I'm taking the archive with me because I'm an archivist. Yeah, and so they all kind of have static bonuses now because those are yeah. much easier to manage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, a lot of the things that didn't work out quite well for the brutalists are the things that got changed in the game. Weirdly yeah. enough. Um, so what? We, yeah, we talked about some of the. What are some of the likes? Uh, what are some of the highlights of the campaign for you? Uh, in terms of uh, just individual moments or just things that you liked? Uh, well. Um one of the big things that came up in the playthrough for me was, well, a pistol. I started out with a pistol thinking, well, it's a fairly weak weapon. I can shoot things if I need to. Yeah. But then once the campaign kept on going, it was buy it, click it, now upgrade it. Oh, hey, look at this. <laughs> it's a silenced pistol with an extended magazine that is balanced and automatic. Um, yeah. I had all of the upgrades on it, so um, you have pretty much the same pistol. Oh, yeah. No, I was, yeah. I... Here Pistols comes... are like... Pro, yeah, pro tip, use pistols. Silenced, upgraded pistols are fucking baller. Uh, yeah. as shit. Uh, Until, you know, you come up against a sniper. In which yeah. case, it's they're not, not perfect. Great. It's not perfect. <laughs> I didn't say it was perfect. Yeah. But in most situations, though... But no, I, li- I like the fact yeah. that, like, you want an economic light weapon. Yeah. Because yeah. you're walking a lot, and zombies aren't going to try and dodge. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not going like, to go around with the gigantic use in, um um, in the factory, when you basically took down the vector in one shot, yeah, um, <laughs> full auto damage. Mm-hmm. It's a thing. Yeah, full auto damage at the right spot. Just <clears throat> and you stitched him up, emptied yeah. the clip, took down a vector. Yeah, by yourself. And because I had the donkey, I could like afford the ammo. Like, yeah, no, yeah. I can. And we were near it. Yeah. Uh, for me, some of my favorite moments actually were the ones that kind of I felt define helped define Kowloon as a character. Um, one was uh, obviously the very first job because I was for giving this uh, high technology to government because I felt because I wanted to save civilization and the government may be evil but they're the only ones who can actually take that t- technology and do something with it so it's not just this curiosity so that all this knowledge is lost for time forever so a bit like an archivist but more like we must rebuild I am uh, you know mm-hmm. architect uh, and then later on when it's like oh help these refugees build those slaughterhouse to Industry like weaponized architecture to re- reclaim the loss. Oh, <laughs> I love it. And then, um, 
I thought the biggest moment, though, for Kyle Lynn was actually choosing to save those assholes at that settlement that tried to kidnap me uh, from the ganglia and losing our own Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, because I was like, there's still good people in there that don't deserve this, and... If I do the, the DHQS, if I do that otherwise, they'll become too powerful. I can't let the DHQS go, ah, fuck, I hate this. Fuck, fuck, fuck. I, I, I'm doing the right thing, but I hate doing it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the Soviet's oh, yeah. choice in that one was I can either screw over a couple of assholes who tried to kidnap me, I can screw over the government assholes who are trying to kill those other assholes. Damn it. Yeah. No matter how this goes, assholes walk but away. But we met normal people there, too, so I knew yeah. there were normal people. By all things to all assholes. So, like, yeah. I knew, like, I would, I mean, out of character, I knew I'd take a massive self-control hit if I, like, did not save them. Yeah. But in character, I was like, ah, uh, fuck, I hate doing the right thing. <laughs> uh, so, I felt that. So, those are some of my favorite moments in the campaign. Obviously, the whole finale was great, too. I do we'll have to that, give yeah. uh, some super mad props to Caleb for all of the NPCs. Um, oh, yeah. Every single one of us had at least a contact that I kept thinking, oh, I hope this one shows up again. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. tricks is made of gold. <laughs> Cat 5, it, I know that he was an asshole to Aaron every single time. Well, that was kind of all my contacts, mm-hmm. except for like, maybe Cat Moth. Cat 5 was one of the worst. Which one was Cat 5? Was that the Moth? Or was that the... The, uh, Cat 5 was our, my Moth contact, okay. I think. Uh, or it could be wrong. Make it. It was one of the other ones, but I. It was tech, and uh, yeah, the fact that we just kind of kept back and forth. Uh, personally, though, just because of the awkwardness, Mod ended up being my favorite half I the love time Maud. with uh, out of Gilf, and I. I am uh, sad yeah. we didn't use her more often. <laughs> so. uh, my I... favorite one of your contacts is actually the guy stuck up in the remnants of the skyscraper. Oh, like yeah. the first one, because I like this picture. It's like play some country asshole. Oh, who yeah. was that? Was that? Steve I don't remember. I had Dr. Katz, I think. Dr. Yes, Katz. That was oh, yeah. my therapist. <laughs> uh, what was your, well, yeah, but what were some of your favorite moments? Uh, out of kind of character moments, yeah. too, because, uh, again, he, IP stayed a lot in the background for different little moments on there. Um, and I'm trying to remember the name of the one contact who got really hurt after the line incident, because this is when we were out and anti- going on, on uh, Antigons. Trip. Oh yeah, um, trying to remember her name. Uh, she was the one with the Nintendo or the uh, the game system. Shit, um, I got nothing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was uh, Synthania, your drug dealer. Yeah, Synthania. Oh yeah, so, yeah, 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 thank yeah. Uh, But yeah, that we kind of started more get uh, that more of a connection there too, and then immediately getting out there, realizing she was injured, and then of course the the breakdown after we get like, can I get coffee? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> uh, and then oh, that was another. Story. I really love the ending of the Antigone. Oh God, that, that's probably yeah. set some of. I think that, yeah, that's probably the that everybody favorite. just yeah. did as well. Because uh, there was such a great setup for that, and like yeah, the payoff was uh, amazing. I feel uh, with it is, uh, but yeah, as of trips, no, the the locust swarm. Holy shit! Well, okay, yeah, um, that, was that was one that was actually that was actually personally terrifying for me because I sat there going like, oh, we can have this one. Oh yeah, that, <laughs> I don't that understand was, that. Was that. Not good. Um, also. Just out of objects to uh, the tower, the uh, file cabinet. Well, we'll tower. go to uh, legs for. Well, the, was that one of your favorite moments in the campaign? That is one of my favorite okay. moments, and then uh, I, I was glad that I got my moment to stand up to you, even though I was absolutely sure I was about to be shot in the head. Which <laughs> one was that? Was that the beginning? Uh, killing the other woman uh, we were with. Uh, uh, was that at the gangway job? The, I the, think so. At the Christian settlement. It was like one of the last couple ones. I'm trying to remember, but I. Oh, was it at the finale? Near the finale, or okay. it was because he made me have a choice. Oh no, the, the escort. Um, Would you hung up on him? Yeah, uh, but basically it's like oh Screw yeah. You. So dooming that 
poor Part person, girl. yeah, poor girl, <laughs> and distributing. Yeah. So her family stuck there. So after, and then we caused an outbreak. So yeah. so they probably all. I'm died. sorry, <laughs> but that was, uh, that was well, a Tom. What are some of your favorite moments of the campaign? Um, I gotta say, I really enjoyed the. Uh, Gladiatorial combat. Yeah, it's like you're like it's like all right. Then like one like it's like oh we had one in the grass, boys. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. just well, wait. Actually, are you talking about Crystal David? Yeah, uh, with, gladiatorial fight in yeah. the swimming pool and Paddy Whack. And yeah, the, that was a great, the greatest encounter. Well, the, I didn't do anything <laughs> and made a lot of money from. It, so. Yeah. Wait, was that the one with the constant leg hits, or was that? Uh, that was most fights. Are, oh, are you talking about the gladiatorial fight you fought in yeah. and just distributed? That was great. Oh, where you kept hitting him yeah. in one. Yeah. 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 That was pretty hard. Right. That was like the other one where I kept falling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The movie where I kept falling and amazingly didn't die. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was God. Yeah, just a train wreck that just somehow we made it through. Um, well, and what about the teenager? Um, well, uh, we're talking about favorite moments. Uh, but yeah, Tom, were there any other favorite, favorite moments? moments? Uh, I mean, not necessarily like when your character did well, but like, I also I mentioned my other, I think my other favorite was still the yeah, the barbecue. Okay, yeah, that was a good moment. That was, a, like, that was a, I had me, the other couple of latents, and then the one girl I look after. Yeah, it's like oh, like yeah, I was like, it's like where did this all this fresh steak come from? <laughs> Goodness gracious! Uh, <laughs> oh, conspicuous bed deck. Did you have any favorite moments as GM? Uh, as GM, I'm trying to think. Uh, well, the, the teenager shooting was pretty okay. We can talk about intense. That. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I did like how you were. You know, all kind of thinking it, yeah. like, but like, well, we can't do that. And then Mob's just okay. Caps his ass. Um, I thought Safari in general challenged the group a lot. Oh yeah, no, that was the, um, that was one of the first really fuck you jobs. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, I, I liked I liked everyone's reaction to Antigon. That was good. She's, uh, she's um, seeing you guys react to the Randi- Randians was pretty hilarious. Uh, fuck, me. I was so close to just like saying Shoot fuck it. it and just trying going going you know Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid on them, you know. And I I love that because like yeah. They're no more like evil, or and in fact, markedly less evil and like outwardly monstrous than uh, many people you regularly dealt with. They're just but, like, assholes. They're just their philosophy just pissed you off so much. <laughs> well, they, they, I mean, they were slavers too. So. Yeah, what well, no, in ginger. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. See. Okay, we're gonna call a spade a spade. Yeah. That's a fucking shovel. Yeah. Slaves. Yeah. Slaves. <laughs> Randy and. Slaves. But like they wanted to get paid, like yeah. you. Like they were trying to gouge you as hard as you gouge, and, and like just the fact that you guys like could not let that pass. Just, <laughs> we're so furious about yeah, like so no, close. we horribly exploit other people. Get the <laughs> fuck off you. our turf. We just cause a huge mess and then we leave. <laughs> yeah. We don't indenture or enslave <laughs> anybody. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Uh, I think, uh, and I, then I liked I liked the dream sequence before. Uh, the Mr. Kowloon's Jules. Mr. Jules. Oh, yeah. That became part of the game because I like that so much. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, no, I really like that. Because uh, even when my character's in his walls, he was like, I need security. I need political power. Oh, God. <laughs> the death squad's coming for me. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I really dug that. Um, uh, yeah, no, your, your design of that. Uh, and I, I have to admire how you 
I gave you, he's like, okay, what, what, what's the score about? All right, how about all this super technology, you know, and shit like, and you're just like, well, goddamn it, and <laughs> kind of uh, handled it admirably, uh, you think? Uh, I felt. Uh, although, I, I do remember the, the fucking uh, and that Chiron to... was, uh, or the... No, no, Kratos. Kratos. His Kratos. name was Kratos. Kratos because Kratos had better abs, and if you had called him Chiron, he would have had a grognard tax. <laughs> yes. Uh, I loved that guy oh, yeah, so much. That, that was it, yeah. Like, uh, oh, holy uh, crap. I mean, it's one of the scariest encounters it's he is the only one who knows how to get through the river sticks so you can't record anything while we're going down there yeah he's uh, definitely yeah. in the D100 list yeah. I think I renamed him K-Ron though because yeah. Grognar Tax is a little too meta <laughs> yeah, yeah it can't, won't fit in the 100 port <laughs> yeah uh, so yeah um, yeah that was one of my favorite that was that was totes creepy um, and yet at the same time very easy encounter as long as we yeah just, he had a niche yeah. like don't be an asshole you're fine yeah I like, well, we're like, don't be down. Oh, that's, we're going to have to try. Yeah, hold the body, hold on. <laughs> okay, and yeah. Go for a ride. Pay him the money. Yeah. Do what he says. Take a nice, calm ride through the. Ah, oh, please, I'll pay, I'll pay. What was that? <laughs> yeah. Ah, don't worry about that. Nothing. <laughs> we're just going to pull the other way. Do, 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 he had a business model. Yeah. I mean, so we, we were paying customers. So, yeah. yeah. And uh, there is a discount available if you will give me a positive Yelp review. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yep. I'm giving a positive review because we're alive. <laughs> we're alive, and it's a discount. So when you make is it Yarp instead of Yelp? <laughs> Yarp. So that, was that just? Uh, was there any particular inspiration for that? Or was that just like uh, you're just thinking of ideas and it just came to you? Yeah, I just. I mean. Yeah. Uh, I in uh, what is it? World War Z, the yeah. book, mm-hmm. not the terrible film. Uh, there's a concept they call them Lomans, even though it should be like Lomo, like the acronym doesn't work. But last man on Earth, so like oh, when yeah. they, they oh, yeah. when they push back from the East Coast to retake it, they find like survivor communities that like it, but they also find people that like made it by themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, in in my book, I call them Lalas, last asshole left alive, <laughs> uh, and so it's La La Land, and they can either be just like single persons that get through it or they could just be the deer hunter and yeah. fall, just ape shit crazy assholes yeah. uh, and uh, I, I wanted something where you like you were constantly weighing the like he's clearly unhinged like yeah. uh, maybe we should just shoot him and do it ourselves in which case the encounter gets like double crit fail hard or maybe we should trust him and then it's just totally fine which I, I love that you actually honestly I that. spoke his brand of crazy and it was He's got a wonderful business model. Yeah, yeah. which is both why I love that concept came back in Fallen Flags when we talk about that. That can yeah. be yeah. something to look forward to. But uh, but I, I like the sort of anxiety about that. Like, yeah. you all survived by incorporating. You're, like, naturally distrustful of people that did not do it in a group. Yeah. Uh, and often for very good reason. And I, I like to bring yeah. that And up. just jumping back yeah. into the finale for a moment on that one, it's... We can... Try to get past those escaped convicts mm-hmm. and not in, in, not encounter them in any way, or we can do the respectful thing and say hello to them at the casino and let them know we're just passing through. Give them this bullshit about we're working a closure job and not mis- chasing Mister Joel's, and we got good information out of them for free. Yeah, because we followed the all right. There's assholes out here, and there are not assholes. Don't be an asshole. Yeah. yeah. So the fact that we went up to these prisoners and it hey, we're not going to be an asshole. And it's, hey, we appreciate that. And that was like right with 
the Kratos encounter, which you know you could see where my brain was at. Yeah, because no, don't like, be an asshole. Like, yeah, be civilized. Yeah, be civilized. Because uh, like one yeah. of my favorite issues of like why the last man is when he goes to the town and spoiler alert for a comic that's been out for over a decade uh, <laughs> when he goes to the town and it ends up all the women in the town are from the women's correctional facility and he's like oh god what are we going to do and they're like what yeah yeah I murdered someone three years ago humanity's dying like yeah. get we're some all- fucking context like <laughs> uh, we're not you know we're not crazy mo- zombie monsters like we're yeah. still people like we uh, so I, I, li- I like the idea that the guys at Juliet are like no we don't want to die yeah they were <laughs> they were gonna leave us starving ourselves so we made a community we figured it out like you know yeah and from my own experiences with Knifey McStabface um <laughs> Just have to point out that convicted felons are still people, and yeah. when you talk to them, especially in the group, and when I made them laugh by the use of the word gauche, yeah. uh, they were <laughs> completely honest. And David's they, not talking about role-playing gaming, by yeah. the way. He's He's actual he was wrongfully imprisoned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, jailed for a that, couple hours. That was holding. Yeah. It's just holding. But the guys that were in there, though... Um, for the most part, non-violent offenders. Yeah. And then the one violent offender was the nicest man in the room. Right. Uh, yeah, so be civilized. I mean, that's the thing. that That's like the central crisis of uh, Red Markets is the the conflict between civilization and barbarism. You know? Yeah. Uh, capitalism requires civilization, but it also requires an element of, you know, barbarism, too. So, like, yeah. Yeah. which, where do you draw the line when you become, when you act civilized and when you act, you know, like a like a monster, like a barbarian. And Yeah, it's, uh, it's it, tribalism mediated through rules and yeah. a currency as an exchange rate for status. Yeah. Like, yeah, and, that's yeah. The disconnect from that is where a lot of different you need contracts and trade, but on the other hand, there's no law in the waste. You know, yeah. so you know, I think it was the late great Swayze who uh, gave us a really good model for that. It's now just remember, be nice until it's time to not be nice. <laughs> Roadhouse, is there nothing you cannot provide? Yeah, I mean, uh, there's like there's one you didn't come up to. I ended up putting in the D100 rules where you run up against a bunch of archivists and they're just like have a campfire and it's a nice place to stay and you heal humanity going there. Yeah. until you go to the bathroom. Yeah, and you find this dead family uh, off by where they went to the bathroom. You go back and ask, and oh no, we shot them. They were burning the books. Yeah, and then it's like very much like, well, you get to rest here all night. They're not. You're not burning books. They don't give a shit about you. They're like they're just pleasant people. But like they didn't murder a whole bunch of people for burning old issues of Us Weekly for heat. Uh, and so like very much you know that kind of disconnect kind of stuff is yeah, uh, yeah civilization a, a lot of yeah a lot of everyone draws a line differently so yeah, yeah. absolutely um, I've so, been fine with it <laughs> as a fellow artist uh, yeah so I want to talk about a little well, about like uh, encounter design because you mentioned obviously one of your highlights was like uh, uh, yeah no the, the uh, office tower uh, <laughs> or the the office cabinet uh, uh, filing cabinet tower of doom uh, <laughs> which was an amazing set piece and that was just a random leg right or, yeah yeah but that was going to show. I mean, after you designed, I know as a GM, if I came with that, the player skipped that leg, it would show up later. Right? <laughs> right? Like, That's the beauty of legs. Yeah. <laughs> you don't tell them about. Yeah. It, until, and then it just happens. Through the again. mist, you find a filing cat. What? This looks kind of like. No, totally different. You, you just, <laughs> to be clear, I designed three or four jobs for every single session. The legs were always the same amount of legs. Yeah. <laughs> like that was this that was a constant through it. Was what? Yeah, because uh, if I wrote that much, 
during like the school year and stuff. Right. You, you got the legs you got. <laughs> so where did that come from? I mean, again, was that just, you know, did it spring like Athena from Zeus's head? Or? Oh, the filing cabinet yeah, thing? Yeah. Uh, I was trying to think of like, well, I, I think if you have encounters in red markets, they they basically fall into, and it's in the book, they fall into a few categories. And I had the categories in mind when I came up with legs. So I still roll randomly for legs, but then I tried to write according to that theme. So I would have something ready for the D100 list and that kind of stuff. So, like, it's the hell of other people. Like, you don't know if they're good or bad and things that go really bad. Uh, there's the uh, hell of the weather. Um, so, I mean, hiking's been really useful in writing the D100 leg because, like, being outside is terrible. <laughs> like, and I'm not, like, and, uh, just to be clear, being outside is wonderful within a very prescribed set of temperatures and arrangements. Yeah. And then any other time that happens, it's awful. Like, and the majority of human history is about avoiding that situation like literally all of our progress is geared towards being outside and doing physical activity fucking sucks like it's just shitty all the time uh and so like i felt like that was something that was often like either neglected in rpgs to a sad narrative experience so that's why i have like no it's just raining it's really muddy it's and I'm just bashing your stretch head because yeah. like are like there's spider webs everywhere like you're covered are you're covered in locusts or something yeah. like that uh, because I also wanted to hit like with climate change being outside and working sucks more than ever because uh, it's regularly over a hundred degrees and you know all that kind of stuff so yeah. uh, so that's another theme and then another theme was just like. Uh, look, it's five years after the crash. Other people have been doing shit. The basic idea, I try to have it all in my campaigns, is like the story's going to happen whether you're involved or not. It, your involvement changes the lions, it. Yeah, yeah the lions will happen. Benjapo will succeed or not. Like, he's moving while you're moving. That kind of stuff. I wanted to have like evidence of that in the setting as an encounter. So, like, I was trying to think of weird ways you could survive a zombie apocalypse that might have a like, workish theme and I'm like well sniper towers be useful uh, but how would you just make sure someone didn't climb up it or burn it down well you make it something that doesn't burn so there's that uh, and then how do you make sure people don't climb up it well you trap it well how don't you hit those traps yourself well you'd have to have some sort of system for the rungs and then I was just at school and I'm like filing cabinets have rungs <laughs> they have labels yeah uh, so uh, there was an elaborate trap system, and yeah, it ended up being a death trap. But yeah, all uh, things returned to what? Me. Caleb likes death traps. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't a death trap. It was a pile of it death could traps have been a death stacked death. on top of each other <laughs> yeah. to make one giant death trap. Who went up? I did. Yeah. Who got hit by a cinder block? Somebody think, got hit in the head with a cinder block. I think I got hit by a I don't know if it was me at a cinder block. I was, I was supervising as the manager. I don't remember yeah. so well anymore. Yeah. yeah. I, I cinder started. blocks will do that to you. I, I know. know. <laughs> who are you? Where am I? Yeah. Uh, so, um, were there any other uh, particular encounters you wanted to explore? Like, Tom, was there anything? Uh, any of the legs? or any- I know for me, like, I get, bring up the lions. Uh, that was interesting because, again, I felt like. Uh, damn nature, you scared. Damn nature, you scary. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, there was that, but like for me, like yeah, and you brought this up just a second ago. Was that you want to have the stories happening regardless of whether we are in it or not? And, yeah. and so, like in this case, 
if we had chosen the Lions to deal with the Lions, uh, I can't remember what the opportunity cost, but something else, something, some other bad thing would have happened. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't, uh, I don't really so our ongoing feud with the uh, the union, no, it wasn't the union, was it? Or um, no, it wasn't no, the, the machine. The machine. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, the machine. Yeah. After we screwed them over, because of course stealing the set, uh, the the real dolls. <laughs> that well, wasn't that. Was, that. Was, that was the that we we looted those from a dead caravan. Uh, but was it supposed to be going to the machine? Uh, it was no, going. It was. Going it the yeah. union oh, was wiped out sorry, because you never sorry. took the late pirate job. Yeah, yeah that was... uh, So they kept on having all their trade taken by the late pirates, and yeah. so the settlement caved in. Yeah. Uh, also, they never got their real dolls. And yeah. They were lonely folks. <laughs> uh, that job, that idea actually came from the uh, the leftovers because uh, I, I didn't anticipate you, like, Leaning into the sexiness of the real dolls. Yeah, uh, I, I thought you'd like figure out some other purpose for them. Be like, no, no, real dolls. Yeah. Uh, but in in the leftovers, <laughs> uh, like one of the darkest parts of it is that the real doll industry in the leftovers survives by making uh, like actual plastic, picture perfect duplicates of your dead loved ones or the loved ones that disappeared during the rapture. So you have something to bury. Uh, oh. Like so, like there's a gigantic industry of like former skeevy guys that make fake bodies for you to get some closure. So I kind of expected like maybe that since you had all the plasticity. You never mentioned anything stuff. like that. I didn't know. I don't know. I just wanted to include it. Uh, our question is like, how, how can we make money off this? Oh, you can just sell them. All right, we'll sell. Well, I had my idea, but I'm like, I'm leading them by the nose, and so yeah. felt out Phil was great. Oh yeah, yeah. And that whole thing made me realize I needed more in-depth mechanics for like running a yeah. business on the side. So that's where the NBA rules came from. Oh. Yeah, I do remember. Uh, but like, I just remember watching the leftovers and thinking that's like the darkest fucking shit I've ever seen. Yeah. And additionally, when the cult buys a bunch of them and then sets them up in people's houses, like so your dead kid comes back and he's sitting on the couch. Like just to fuck with people. Like I'm just like, like that's so creepy. I want to do my game. Uh, yeah. So see, if it had been a custom order of real dolls that were set up to be particular people, we would have found those people in the anti and tried to sell to them. But you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't think about that. Uh, but yeah, no. It I was doing it well. live. Um, yeah. So Marilyn Monroe. Um, <laughs> the Mr. Joel's went pretty well. Uh, mm-hmm. I felt oh, yeah, that was a very challenging. Mr. Joel's. Yeah, yeah, no, it was my Mr. Joel's. But like as a finale for the campaign. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean, the obvious listeners will probably want to know if anything's going to happen to the rest of the brutalists. Uh, so officially, I don't think there's any. We don't have any plans to you know start a new campaign just to finish the retirements of the remaining three characters. Yeah. But unofficially, but we could do always headcanon what happens what happens after Kowloon retires and he's off, you know, being at the Nine Dragons architecture, his own new architecture firm. Oh, that helps. I've actually yeah. put a lot of thought into that. Oh, please. Yeah, what um, happens to the mall band? Because I know, I think we kind of re- refer to him in Fallen Flag a little bit. Yeah, he's, yeah. The, yeah. He, he's the Tontine in yeah. Fallen Flag. Yeah. That's right. Spoiler. So, spoiler, yeah. yeah. Spoiler flag. Well, because his end was uh, really drawn out because of the fact that Archivist cost twice. Yeah, um, I figured that he was probably going to be the last of the original brutalists to actually be able to pull a Mr. Joel's, and so in my own headcanon, I see him eventually pulling a Mr. Joel's, and then he sends his dependents into a good situation because when I started listening to the finale again and listening to all of the different dreams that got set up, I figured that he would put his family first. Yeah, good home for my family, uh, good life for my family good situation for my family where they don't have to worry too much. 
And then when he hits the point where they have to bug out from whatever the Mr. Joel's was, I saw him staying in the loss alone and starting all over from scratch. Um, he'll pick up the dependence of the people who didn't make it through his Mr. Joel's, his new friends, uh, who happened to die along the way <laughs> because things happen. And so he's going to pick up another set of dependents and start from the beginning and just keep on going. And the same thing is going to happen again and again. It's going to be a cycle for him because he does not get a happy ending because he's a horrible, awful monster. Um, I figured that when he eventually dies, uh, his glove and his mantle get passed on. So when the moth hand dies, somebody else picks it up and goes, I, I, can, be a, or I can be a selfish jackass and do the negotiation. Okay. But... Um, when his glove was finally taken off, it would have revealed the one reason why he always wore it, which was a wedding ring. Okay. Um, you'll notice that all of his ersatz family were people that were not related to him. Right. I saw him having lost all of his family, his husband, his parents, everybody in the crash. And I saw it as being on one of the happiest days. The day that he finally got that promotion was the day that the crash hit. <laughs> they were getting ready for a surprise party to say congratulations and they all died. Um, Surprise! He managed to make it out with a couple of co Living on Easy Street now! Just a bunch of vectors pouring through yeah. the window. Moving on. Nothing could go wrong! And so he covers, this, he covers the ring because he just can't bear to look at it. Right. But he, he can't bear to take it off. off. Can't bear to take it off. And then when everything happens with his family... Uh, with his new family... That's why he does everything he can to get them to safety first... Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he is a monster. So fighting, well, basically, yeah, fighting until the end, a lifer. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, he turns uh, into the ultimate lifer, and okay. that's kind of why I saw him turning into somebody else's Mr. Joel's or the Tontine, because yeah. my own headcanon of him is they're going to deal with them offhand because he does this a lot. Yeah. As far as whether it's the original Moth Hand or not, <laughs> I leave that up to you. Yeah, so the Moth Hand could become essentially the, the enforcer of the entire archivist movement. Uh, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. so, and that uh, kind of stuff is why I put in the uh, the Lost for Life retirement plan yeah. in, in the current draft where you're just like, you have no retirement plan. Because, again, if you're doing the sort of endless mode of red markets, it can be sort of interesting to have yeah. the lifer character that right. like is damaging your sanity as much as the surroundings. Like... Like your first crappy fast food job, you meet the person who's been there for 15 decades and has like a, a thousand yard stare and you're just like, oh shit, like, uh, like, Welcome yeah. to Good Bird, hey Pagoda, what are you doing? Yeah. You were in the Godfather. Yeah, I, I, I remember I saw this like teenage girl, she had to be like 18, my first job at Hardee's. Where a manager <laughs> told me, You survived your first lunch rush and she's she's just like smoking like she's been to Nam. <laughs> just like covering the cherries like bitch you ain't seen a lunch rush. Like and she's just like this blonde like cheerleader girl, but she's been working at Artie's for two years. Five yeah. years yeah. at this point, like cool. lying about her age and I was like, Yeah, like that's why you need a retirement plan. Like somebody on the Facebook okay. plays like, None of my none of my uh players wanna have retirement plans. I'm like 
like, let them. Yeah. That's going to be great. <laughs> like, they're going to, oh, man, just Delta Green endless mode. Dark. You pray for death. She's like darkest timeline. Yeah. You work the job until you are the job. <laughs> yeah. Having the walls of the like you. jobs, I think we've all seen that guy, and I think we've all kind of turned into that guy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The first time I burned myself at stake. I'll be shape. podcasting until, you know, yeah. the, <laughs> the Trump Gestapo the bandages on it. And then, like, three days before you my last day, I'm dipping taco shells, splashed myself with the hot grease, and went, ah, that's going to leave a mark, and just kept on going. Yeah. New guy I was training starts freaking out, and he's like, you've got a grease bird. I went, yeah, but I still got a dozen taco shells. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For the job. Yeah, for the job. For so, the job. Mal, what, what, so, Tom, headcanon-wise, what, what, ha- what becomes of Malleus? Uh, I figure he... He probably was... Pretty close to retiring after going on. Yeah, well, like it was never for him so much. It was always for the girl. Okay. Yeah, he was, his retirement was getting her into the to the recession right. with a shit ton of cash and yeah. And then he pretty much like now that he's finally not responsible for anyone but himself anymore. He kind of just goes on like a walkabout. Okay, so he also lost for life. Just go goes out mm-hmm. uh, kung fuing. Well, uh, I don't think that he's kung fuing as much. Um, he's well dropping the hammer. Yeah. Well, yeah, dropping the hammer. Uh, <laughs> all I can think too on his uh, because you were working on the latent P90X and the splashes of it. I think that he actually starts his own enclave. Yeah. Where they make all sorts of fitness things, but it's a latent P90X enclave. Muscle beach for zombies, you know. I, I like John Henry except for rail spikes zombie heads. <laughs> he just becomes a legend amongst oh the people. Oh my god, that's a great time. Old Malleus. Wandering the road. Wait, old and oh have you ever heard the have you ever heard the song of Malleus versus the punch bot? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Government Man comes in. <laughs> Who can kill zombies the best? <laughs> I still have an art budget. Okay, there has to be art in Red Markets now of a mural in some enclave of the legend Malleus versus the Punchbot. Like, done in 1930s, like, uh, realism. It took outside you know, vectors like, before yeah. moon. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, I'm not saying I know everything, <laughs> but I know a thing or two about some <laughs> or with a cinder block in his hand. Uh, that's. Uh, I died I'm a government man with his pork pie hand with <laughs> ran away in shame when his punch bot failed. Well, that's my headcanon. Yeah. And no one will convince me of it. It's, it's your game, so your headcanon is game. It's, yeah. it's a fair cop. Uh, uh, so, yeah, he walks into legend. Uh, I told so, you once, I'm the best sledge that's ever been. So, we have the right hand man of a cult uh, movement, yeah. and then we have legend. And, uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, IP Williams. Uh, IP was always wanting to move to the moth because of. Oh yeah, that's right. So. Um, but after the experiences, especially the like, the last oh, like a young man had died in his arms. We, we think his la- his only possession, which is his music, to him. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. I don't think there was much bequeathing at that moment because headshot it. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> but anyway, anyway. Uh, that's the when I kind of think about him. That's probably the point where he really, really turned. And the way I kind of thought about it is once everything was set up, because uh, he had enough funds to basically complete his move, his family's move to uh, the Moth's headquarters, um, and to get them there safely. But he probably stayed in and was a communications officer. And any time that he went out, he kind of did the same thing that he did before, which is playing the music. But it was that that became his life's goal that he just had to get. 
any job that they went into, if they went there, he just scrounged for music. Every type, everyone. No, mm. just to play it out as there is that he wanted to be that three dog in the in the night. So the <laughs> one that basically played everything. <laughs> so the Nas become hated even more because they keep. No, no, and that's A-pop. the thing. That's the thing is that he's he basically basically dumps everything. He he okay. left the J pop there. It's every other music underneath the sun, the full variety, just to basically make it. And okay. years later, someone goes like. Man, I liked it when he played the J-pop. Yeah. <laughs> I like his earlier stuff better. Do you know how long it's better. been since I've heard Hello Bitches? Yeah. Like, man, like, man, I would love to hear the Sephiroth battle music. Uh, uh, God, God wants yeah. to hear that. I'd oh. kill for the opening for Neon Genesis Evangelion. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, well, I mean, one thing I disliked about the campaign is I, I, I agree with you that I was too hard on the DHQS. Uh, I like that in Fallen Flag you dirty up the moths a lot. Yeah. Uh, because yeah, I, I've had to do that in writing from Moth's character. It's yeah. like basically in the setting, the Nat, the leader, is the guy who runs Silk Road, but less, but but less uh, naive about it. Yeah, like he doesn't think it's it's a libertarian paradise where everyone can sell heroin, and he doesn't like stumble into hiring assassins as a form of forum moderation. Like <laughs> Nat's like, no, I'm gonna have to do that. Yeah. No, we need assassins. Like, let's you, your guys the assassin branch. Yeah, uh, like you, you know, you, yeah, just sort of a like. Well, it's he, our libertarian paradise. People are gonna have to die. Like, right. uh, yeah, resistance against a violent government. You have two choices. One is total pacifistic civil disobedience. You know the Gandhi route, which can work, like Gandhi did. But or the other thing is the traditional, you know, rebellion coup, which requires <laughs> violence on your part. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I had I hadn't dirtied up the concept in my mind enough yeah. to make it interesting and, and part of the brutalist campaign. Is all I would have, yeah, no rebellion is innocent or pure. yeah, absolutely. I would have yeah. loved to have seen the flip side too, though. Um, I would have liked to have seen one of the vowels. Yeah, possibly Y. Okay, uh, who was. Actually, a saint. It's what are you doing out here? There is a life-saving medicine that they don't make anymore. Right. The only place where we can find the formula for it is out here, and I'm sending a crew to get the formula for that medicine. Right. What is it used for? It helps cancer patients stay alive. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I specifically chose not to put in any of the vowels. It yeah. Like I wanted to make it my own thing. Yeah. So it was, like, it was yeah. But, but yeah, for any other future campaigns, that could be great if it is made more ambiguous for both sides. I so. mean, yeah. I, I mean, spoilers for the first episode of Fallen Flag. You guys chose not to go with the DHQS, you know, because of character reasons and other things. Yeah. But if you had, you could have gotten the job lines from them, and then you could have seen yeah. the better side of the DHQS. Yeah. Uh, I think. And again, going towards like not being comfortable in the sandbox or like having an endpoint uh, in mind. Uh, I think if I run further campaigns of uh, red markets, uh, it it won't be. Ki- I mean, Kyle's idea is great, but I really love the idea of like the story is how you deal with this weird economic system in like his eighty twenty thing. Like, mm-hmm. do you? fight like a dog to get in the tax bracket where you rule the enclave and or then get out? Or do you try and overthrow it and like what the rules do for that? I think if I did another campaign, it'd probably be like not in an enclave, but in the settlement. Like yeah. in, in a former enclave that for some reason or the other DHQS has come to save and take back. So it's very much like, do you want to be like an insurgency or do you want to you know, take jobs from them? Or But your rules are different now. Like you have cops again. Like you have, you know, 
that kind of stuff. It's very much like a suburb with zombies outside of it. Uh, but are you still going over the fence to do jobs? Are you trying to get a straight job? Like, I'd do something like that. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I'm more... To be fair, I do. I have been thinking along similar lines, uh, inspired by you know actually the news. Uh, weirdly, uh, I do have a rule. It probably be nights back agent, but I do have an. I'm beginning to sketch out ideas for doing a campaign, maybe a mini campaign based on launching a coup um, <laughs> in the country. So uh, I have some research to do. Uh, oh, we kind of did a thing like you were talking about doing that. What was it a steampunk game or something like? Yeah. That? I, I, well, I, I that was a very particular thing because that was based. Um, where the idea is your uh, basic, yeah, the idea for the, the campaign model I had for that was uh, Fallout University, you're in some sort of settlement, the Brotherhood of Steel shows up and starts teaching you things, and they're just, you know, hey, we're here to teach you about technology and stuff like that. But then they secretly go to you, can you tell us about, about all the secrets about all the people leading the settlement, like who's in charge? Yeah, what, spy back, game. Yeah, spy for the Brotherhood of Steel. Uh, do you want me to uh, spoil that since that's probably never going to happen yeah. now? Yeah. Um, I, I actually based on this on uh, I read a story about how ISIS took over many cities in Syria where they posed as this like hey we're just teaching uh, scholarship and you know uh, uh, Islamic studies and all this other stuff but then they would tell people okay get blackmail who's who's drinking alcohol who's doing who's evading their taxes and they would use that as leverage when they rolled in force. Uh, so yeah, they you, established a network. First. Yeah, they sat, you would be essentially the informant slash pawn for the Brotherhood of Steel, and this would not be a nice Brotherhood of Steel. This would be a this very it may it may it, it may not even really be the Brotherhood of Steel. They might have just been pretending to be more like some of the outcasts from uh, yeah, play people. I, I mean, I hadn't gotten that far in that, but that yeah, was I mean, the idea. I'm when, sorry, I derailed that by saying I wasn't really interested in playing in yeah. the fall. I couldn't think of, the thing is for me, I couldn't think of doing a fantasy setting because the like it had to be in a modern world, but I couldn't think of setting. It. I couldn't think of a place in history that would work other than the power vacuum that is modern Syria. So that was the only setting I could think where that kind of structure would work without putting it in the real world. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So that was that. Uh, now, I, and, but that was also going to be the big thing was that that would have been the twist because at the first few sessions you just fine, oh help us out, blah blah blah, and then the next day the tanks roll in, you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, thanks for all that information. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, we're gonna shoot all the dissidents now. <laughs> thanks to the list you wrote. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and that so that was the idea. So the coup then would be a totally like you're just you know army officers or whatever, and then. But yeah, you yeah. could do that in that red market setting. You can do it in red market. Like, you can do it any number. It's the DHUS settlement, like. They only have so many resources. Yeah. If you push them out, they're not coming back for a while, like because yeah. <laughs> you're 500 miles away and surrounded by monsters. Yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for you guys, yeah. Were there any types of campaigns or anything you wish you could have done differently, in brutalists? Or uh, I definitely would have bought some more. I forgot bought some intimidation and self control earlier. On. <laughs> yeah, that would have. Probably also, okay. athletics. Okay. dodging is good. Maybe a weapon skill or two. Um, honestly, no, just for the way that we did it. Because, I, again, I think all of the experiences very much influenced the, the next level where yeah. we did in Fallen Flag and then um, to a certain extent. So, I, 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 I'm really looking forward now to when we get to the postmortem of that so we can talk about how these experiences made those characters or yeah. made our choices or uh, made us to repeat the same things over again. <laughs> If that happened, so a little bit, yeah, a little bit. Uh, so <laughs> um, yeah, that is one of the things that Han and Moth have in common. I um, <laughs> we all did it. Though, well, I had canoned um, 
Mauve and the loss of his family, I did the same thing to Han. Mm-hmm. Come to think of it. Well, I mean... And they reacted in different ways. Red Markets is a particular kind of genre and a particular kind of, you know, setting. So it kind of emphasizes certain types of characters and stories. Yeah. yeah. Um, or if you want to bring on that, that uh, Reefer very much was the same tech... Was a, a, in the same vein of a tech person, but instead of actual computers and networks, went to DIY mechanics. Right. See, uh... Totally different. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> very, a, a similar vein, but branching off in a different way. Instead yeah, of mother and mother, we just got a system. That's true. You know, <laughs> I was sure it was. I mean, one thing I definitely learned from the Brutalist and Ludwig was uh, the importance of art. Yeah. I mean, I, I knew it, yeah. but like the way you just saw the sketch wasn't even finished for Patsy yeah. and just like, no. That is my character. <laughs> I will have that in the game. Uh, when you saw that big dog with a hockey mask, yeah. you're just like, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I basically went home after one Ludwig session and I just like completely redid the artist yeah. onboarding reference doc because I'm like, all right, we need more of that <laughs> kind of evocative stuff that like yeah. you see it like that's my character. I'm playing mm-hmm. that guy. Like, uh, and that's uh, that definitely is going to inform how the book is made. So. Yeah, and now we just need um, the, the the legend of Malleus versus the Punching Bot. <laughs> uh, we'll see. We'll see about filler art. Okay, and, or we need we need we need we need, we need folk songs about this. So if any <laughs> listeners out there are good at writing music, please uh, record and upload to YouTube uh, the legend of Malleus versus the Punching Bot. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, so, because I want to hear that, uh, that could be the uh, get some folk songs. That would be the intro for every episode of the next campaign. Whatever. Does the punch button run on Steam. Uh, <laughs> the steward have a top hat and a twirly mustache. <laughs> poor, well, fucking poor pie wood. <laughs> He finds an odd treasure trove of dollar uh, shave club shit. He's like, yes, mustache. <laughs> uh, or dollar, whatever that place is called. That's the same, yeah, 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 right. So. Uh, all right, so any final thoughts about uh, the Brutalist? Well, um, thanks for suffering through it, guys. Oh, I know, it was suffering. It was suffering. I did want to uh, throw in my own headcanon on the, the one last thing about the way we were, the way we finished. Um, yeah. We didn't talk about what happened to you in the end. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I did, actually. I mean, that was the point of the game. Was yeah, we, I, yeah, we... I got to go and have... No, no. A, yeah. Mystery. You. Oh, you. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm doing that thing again where I say the vowel's name and it sounds like an actual mm-hmm. word. Uh, um, we know that Dr. E got shot. Yeah. yeah. She's dead. Yeah. Very dead. Uh, no, dead. I, in my mind, Mr. You made it and then his plan took place and... We got back to the Mississippi line, yeah. as it says in the book. <laughs> <laughs> that's my headcanon. Uh, the vowels win because yeah. capitalism. That's how the story ends. Uh, and then uh, the damn book is canning correct now. All right. You bastards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. I mean, if we just started in West Mississippi, you would have that, in, that, that rage to drive you forward. You, know? like, yes. you bastards. <laughs> I want okay. This is a game about cowboys fighting. I want a dinosaur. God damn! All right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, something like that. Um, so or, or this is a game where you're the allies fighting uh, the you know the Japanese in World War Two. I want to be a Nazi uh, doctor. Uh, <laughs> can I be allied with these characters? Uh, so yeah. God damn it! <laughs> damn it, Bobby. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I had a lot of fun. Um, 
Yeah, the the vows. Yeah, I figured. Yeah, Kowloon did spent all called in all his favors to keep the death squads from you know capping the rest of the brutalists for what they know, and that's about it. You know, so uh, a, a happy ending for all. Well, um, did you ever find out that it was us? Oh, uh, I imagine he would have. Like you guys weren't wearing masks. At, we were. The, no. Were you wearing masks gas masks? masks? Oh yeah, you yeah, were yeah, wearing right. gas masks. Yeah, I don't know. The only one. Well, no, then I mean. Well, like, no spoilers. We saw what happens with the DHQS knows it was you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, so well, I guess well, he never well, One guy is like learned. nearly seven feet tall and huge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be fair, that's probably most latent takers because that, that's like, oh, if you're. It, they, in fact, probably. The latents they send out that aren't huge for melee fighting just get eaten the regular way when yeah. they're turning. <laughs> yeah. Well, nobody will accept them. Like, it's it's stereotype. Oh, you're not a bodybuilder? We don't need you. I'm a doctor. I'm a sniper. I'm a world class engineer. Uh. <laughs> yeah, but you. But yeah, but can hands. you hit thing with big stick? I'm more than just big stick. Like old Malleus yeah. on the road. Yeah. <laughs> Haven't you heard the song? I hate that song. <laughs> no one hates the song. Yeah. All the late, some of the late presenters. So. Because uh, you got to admit, there's got to be a latent or two out there that is just, why don't we give peace a chance? Well, what use did, do you have? Didn't you say if you play again, you're going to play a I'm gonna play definite scr- non-melee late? Yeah, I'm going to play a scrawny late who yeah. presents them and is going to be <laughs> complaining all the time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Moth Free Frequency. We are going to be playing again for your enjoyment. Malleus, the casualty driving soldier. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we are... Steel Beam, fi- finally! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some good music. It's two years, but goddammit, it's on. You did good, boy. We would like to release volume seven of The Ballad of Malleus. <laughs> I wouldn't expect oh, anything yeah. less than an opera on the subject. Followed by post hope industrial noise. Yeah. Uh, so. I think I'd play a bard. Yeah, <laughs> just like an actual bard. <laughs> you know how rare it would be. I put a lot of profession, like profession busking yeah. five, <laughs> shooting zero, self control zero. <laughs> so after no. he gets eaten in the first job, <laughs> yeah, no, no, just to say five, I did. Yeah, self control five. <laughs> no, you've been out here this whole time with a guitar. Yes. Yeah. How do you get through it? I write about what I see. <laughs> Like self control checks on him. <laughs> oh, God. gotta have the new game, busk, busking. Uh, no, no, like, taking or busk. Like, see uh-huh. you in the taker group, shooting some zombies. <laughs> yeah, I Randy knew it. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, on that note, uh, on that note, um, uh, I guess I win. RPBR episode one thirty one, the ruthless post mortem. Uh, keep out. on hitting those zombies, uh, Malleus. <laughs> And always use your drunkie. And always use your drunkie. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. Bye.